Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. Today's episode is about evangelism in the real world. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Hey, John, how you doing? I am doing fantastic today, Mark. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good. Hey, we are about... 10 days away from Thanksgiving? Yep. Yeah. What's your, is that, you like Thanksgiving? One of my favorite holidays. I mean, it's the, the food is always great, just traditional food. Yeah. And then you watch football all, all day. So, you know, you can't beat <laughs> Thanksgiving. So. Yeah. What's your favorite Thanksgiving food? You know what? I, I, I love turkey, of course, but, you know, uh, my wife does this green bean casserole thing. With the onions on oh, top. Oh, <laughs> man, and it's killer. So, yeah. And sweet potato. I like sweet, sweet potato potatoes. stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. yeah. We, um, you know, one of the, you know, we lived overseas for a long time. Yeah. And so we, we had the privilege of introducing Middle Eastern people to <laughs> Thanksgiving, not only the Thanksgiving holiday. Right. But thanks, American Thanksgiving food. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah. And, um, you know, we would have to, sometimes we would have to scour the markets to find a turkey. And uh, <laughs> I'll never forget the year that Amy, we bought a turkey, brought it home, and it, one, it still had the head and feet on. Mm. So that was an interesting, Yay. very different than a typical American. So the way the pilgrims did it, right? <laughs> exactly. And it still had like all these little feathers oh, on wow. it. So I remember uh. like, <laughs> I would never forget Amy spending like two or three hours with this bird in the kitchen with her eyebrow tweezers pulling feathers out of a turkey. And, you know, everybody. Betty Crocker doing her work, yeah, right? Everybody got just to sit down and eat the meal, but yeah. a lot of work went into that. So, That's great. Yeah. I, and, you know, of course, you know, it's always a great at this time of the year because one of the, you know, Thanksgiving. Yeah. What do we give thanks for? We have so much to give thanks Don't for. Don't we, though? God has been good. Yeah. Everything, you know, every good and perfect gift That's right. comes down from Him. So, well, today we are going to, I think we're going to have a fun conversation. Yep. We're going to talk about evangelism in the real world. And, you know, I, I can't help it. You know, I think about my brain probably goes to a bad place when I think about evangelism. I, I, I just had this image pop in my mind, the church lady. Yeah. <laughs> you know, from, uh, <laughs> is it Saturday Night Live? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so many people just have a bad, distorted view about what evangelism is. Well, they have a distorted view because we have kind of given them a distorted <laughs> view, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, for for the non-Christian, yeah. I think when if you were to talk about, you were to use the word evangelist. Yep. My guess is two things would pop in their mind. One would be televangelist yes. who wants your money, bad hair, Gaudy suits. <laughs> <laughs> if you'll send in your money, you know, there's that. Yeah. And then there's the other side of that, which is the guy on the street doing Turner Burn. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. and a lot of times, um, a very legalistic approach to the gospel. Uh, so today we want to talk about various approaches yep. to evangelism. And you, you I, I, both of us have are highly committed to evangelism. Yep. Um, 
And yet what's interesting is our styles probably could not be more different. Yeah, it probably in, in some, in some ways, in some ways. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, obviously you have done most of your work in unreached people groups. And yeah. so, you know, the, the the approach there, you cannot go on a street corner in uh, Tehran and start handing out gospel well, tracts. Well, you can. Well, you can for a day. <laughs> for at least a day. You can do anything <laughs> once. <laughs> uh, most of my work has been South America. Uh, Europe and and North America. I've done a lot of ministry mm-hmm. in the states, so um, you know. And depending on where you're at, you know what good evangelism is can take on different things. And and I will say this as well: for the most part, outside of the couple of instances that you brought up, if you're proclaiming Christ, it's always a good thing. Yeah, I agree, hundred yeah. percent. So let's just start with the definition. Yep. What is evangelism? Yes, that, that's, you know, I, I really like that you asked that, Mark, because I think that a lot of us have this idea in church in America, North mm-hmm. America, we go, the evangelist is coming into town. But the evangelist, for the most part, is talking to church people about church things. And, you know, the people, the same people that raise their hand five times sure. and raising their hand again and coming forward. And I, I think that's more of a guest speaker, maybe a revivalist. That's what I think of him as, is a revivalist you know, more than an evangelist. Yeah. yeah, where an evangelist is somebody that's stepping into a place where there's where there's not believers and they are sharing Christ. And that can be whether that is in an event, uh, whether that's a, it could, even, you know, here at World Challenge, we've had Nikki Cruz mm. do crusades with, you know, 20, 30, 40,000 people. Or, or, or whether it's a, a one-on-one evangelism. And uh, one thing that I believe is really important is that I think that there's a hierarchy mm-hmm. in the way that you do evangelism. I think that the goal is the one-on-one. It's, the, it's Jesus and the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. It's in those one-on-one in- interactions that allows you to go a little bit deeper. Sure. But it doesn't mean that in, in larger crusade events or, or larger church events that evangelism can't take place. But I think it's most effective if you take it from that larger place and then you have people that are willing to do the work of one-on-one and walking people through issues and, and help them to know who Christ is rather than just reciting a prayer. Right, sure. You know, I think of um, the, you know, this ministry is founded by David Wilkerson. Yep. And a lot of people, you know, if they know anything about uh, Brother David was, you know, his he was a pastor of a church Rural Pennsylvania, goes to New York City. Mm. And, of course, one of his, you know, the defining big moments was, you know, when he goes into a courtroom and kind of gets embarrassed and, you know, comes out and holds up a Bible because somebody provokes him to do it, (laughs) take pictures, and they kind of embarrassed him on the front page, of the, you know. But then later on, you know, it's like he goes out and he's like standing on a car in a sidewalk, you know, and he's like preaching in this very dangerous part of town to these gang members who are like out on the street, yeah. you know? And so he's in one sense, he's doing street evangelism. Now it's a different time, different, you know, we get all that. Sure. But even in that context, I remember, you know, so he's up on the stage, he's doing that, but then one-on-one ministry took place afterwards. Yeah. You know, you mentioned Nikki Cruz, you know, this famous story, Nikki's like afterwards. So <laughs> preacher, I'm going to cut you into a thousand pieces. Yeah. You know, and he says, you could do that. And yep. every one of them would say, you know, Jesus, Jesus loves, loves you. you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so it went from the platform to the person. Yeah. 
And so, you know, oftentimes I think good ministry looks like that. Now, I know enough about you to know you got kind of a interesting story, funny story yeah. about street ministry that you've been involved in in the past. Share that with us. Yeah, and I, and I was, before I tell the story, I'll say this as well. What, you know, talking about this subject of evangelism, what a heritage that we have at World Challenge. Mm. I mean, Brother Dave, what an impact he's made. My life, your life, and so many. Uh, Nicky Cruz, I go to church with him now, and he's the same guy. That, you know, <laughs> just, just, a, just a pure evangelist mm. and a heart for God. Uh, but anyways, one of the things that I did, I was doing ministry in Western Europe, a lot of evangelism. I okay. actually helped to direct evangelism and uh, across most of Europe. And so uh, so I, I lived in Ireland. Okay. And one of the places that we went to was a place called Galway. And in Ireland, if you, you know, anybody that knows the politics there knows that you have the Protestants and you have the Catholics. And sure. they've been at war for hundreds of years. And so I'm, I was talking about, I had gone to Galway. Uh, there's an area there called the Spanish Steps, and people would just gather around. There'd be large groups of people, and we would set up a little sound system and just give testimonies and sing a few songs and, you know, share share the gospel message. Right. And then, you know, it was amazing how people would come and respond to Christ. But at this particular place, th- there were some hecklers and mm-hmm. Granted, most of the time, just like we talked about with Saturday Night Live, people have gotten their information from us. So it's kind of hard to blame them too much when they see our weaknesses. And in Ireland, you've had this, you know, this war that's gone on between Protestants and Mm. Catholics. So I had said Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Well, somebody, you know, is yelling out, well, he's not been the Prince of Peace in Ireland. He's brought nothing but war. And I, you know, shared, no, I... That was a wrong understanding of who Jesus is, and so I talked about that, and then I gave I gave a, an altar call, and so there was probably six or seven people that raised their hand. Uh, I was leading them into a sinner's prayer, and then we would always have, uh, you know, some of our, the people with us from the church would go and pray with the individuals. So sure. I'm doing the sinner's prayer, you know, Jesus, forgive me my sins, come into my heart. Well, two of these heckler guys came to take the microphone away. <laughs> So, you know, I played college football, was a bouncer for years. So I had the microphone in this hand. I never stopped the prayer. Jesus coming to my heart, changed my life. But with this hand, I'm fighting off two guys. Never stopped the prayer. And, uh, you know, people accepted Christ. Finally, some of the guys from our church came and, you know, kind of got the other guys off the stage. But it kind of it, it, it speaks to what, in some of these countries, the, the spiritual battle that goes on. And so we have to see evangelism in a way that's not, you know, uh, do you believe like I do? Do you embrace, you know, you know, maybe all of the particular political things that I embrace or we're we're it's a spiritual warfare between darkness and light. And when you can understand that, it really changes the way you do evangelism. Yes, I agree 100 percent. And I think, you know, the the. The essence of the word evangelism even comes from the Greek word evangelion, which has to do with good news. Yep. And that's really what evangelism is. It's sharing the good news of the gospel. Yep. You know, and that can look a thousand different ways in a thousand different personalities. <laughs> you know, the the quiet person who is, you know, sharing it one-on-one in a conversation somewhere to, you know, I know some people who wear shirts that say, can I pray for you? And they go and stand in line at Walmart. Yep. And it's amazing how many people in today's secularized world will look at that and they'll go, yeah, you can. Mm. 
You know, you and I have a friend who is very good about talking to waiters, you know, servers at restaurants. Yep. And will, in the most authentic way, just ask, you know, hey, can I pray for you? Is there anything you're dealing with? You know, but it fits that person's personality so well. Yep. And it's clearly a grace yep. that's on their life. Now, let's be honest and say when you share the good news, not everybody thinks of it as good news. Sure. Some people may even be hostile. Yeah, but I it. would I will say this, and I think you'll agree with this too. Some of that has to do with the way that people have presented the gospel to them before and what's been said. I, I'll give you an example. One time when I was a young adults pastor, so I took a group of, of, of young adults to a Marilyn Manson concert. So, like, I mean— <laughs> So you got everybody walking up there and we're just walking up to people and just sharing the love of God. And it actually had some incredible conversations and led the people, people to Christ. It was sure. great. But, but then this whole group of very, uh, they were angry. Like, it, I don't know how you present the good news while you're angry, but they're like, basically you're going to hell. And it, oh, it wow. was kind of like, they're happy about it. You know? Yeah, you're sure. Like, oh, yeah. And so as soon as that group came and started just, you know, kind of, you know, really being angry in the mm-hmm. way they were presenting Christ, it like everybody shut down. Mm-hmm. So we just went from a place of, you know, talking to people to a place of just having to pray because it was, it just became this battle between people that are like angrily trying to present Christ. So it's, it's really, you know, sometimes we look at people that don't know Christ mm-hmm. and we go, boy, they're just, they have these walls up. Sometimes we have helped with putting those walls up. Sure, 100%. You know? So Mark, you have had a lot of interactions in hostile cultures. How do you take the gospel to people that are completely hostile to the message and share God's love? That's a good question. And I think that it even has implications for our current American context. Hmm. So, of course, my, you know, 25 years living in the Arab world. Mm -hmm. So Muslims, you know, most people think of the Muslim world as being hostile to the gospel. Yeah. And maybe to some degree, that's an accurate question. Um, They certainly deny the deity of Christ. And so on a theological level, they'd be very hostile. Um, and an interesting piece is that, you know, most people, I know you've had a little bit of travel to that part of the world. Most people who go to the Middle East are expecting hostility and they're surprised by hospitality. Yep. You know, so I, I would, I would say a couple of things. One, and this is based on my approach that I, I developed through reading the gospels. Mm -hmm. I found that Jesus asked more questions then he actually gave answers. Great. So one of the things I think we have to find out about is if somebody is being hostile, ask mm-hmm. the question, what is it about what I'm saying to you? What, what bothers you? <laughs> yep. You know, just, just in a gentle spirit, you know, a gentle word turns away wrath. Yep. So in a kind voice, you know, if they get loud, you get quieter. Yep. Our natural, you know, approach would probably be your voice goes up, my voice goes up. Your voice goes up, my voice goes up. Boy, when I was a new Christian, I tried to argue people into heaven, you know, yeah. fight with them on the streets and argue. You know, it never works, does it? And, you know, when the, the Proverbs even tell us a friend offended is harder yeah. to win than a fortified city. Yeah. You know, we can win a lot of arguments and lose a lot of friends. Yeah. 
And so I think it's really important that one, so ask questions, find out, you know, why is there this resistance? Mm -hmm. Then, you know, make sure they're actually understanding what you're saying. So, you know, the old joke about marriage, you know, there's what I said, what I thought I said, and what she thought I said. (laughs) (laughs) Very different. Yeah, sometimes those are all three different answers. Um, So make sure that, you know, we sometimes bring so much pre-knowledge to to the topic that we may say some things that they don't have the groundwork to even understand what we're saying. Yep. So there's another reason why asking questions is so important to clarify that they're actually hearing and understanding what we're saying. Yep. You know, so that would be my second point. I think my third point would be to always do things in a winsome way. In a friendly way. Now, I I do need to clarify. So you've heard the term friendship evangelism. Yes. I don't believe in it. Yeah, nor do I. Um, I believe in friendly evangelism. Yeah. And I think those are two very different things. Mm -hmm. Just to be clear for the listener and clarity in case they don't know that term, friendship evangelism is an approach where everything starts with friendship and then eventually – You get to the evangelism piece. Right. Here's why I don't like it. Mm -hmm. I actually think it's inauthentic and deceptive. Mm -hmm. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I've had this happened to me at least twice where someone said, you know, hey, I want to get, you know, let's go get lunch. Let's do whatever, you know, getting to know somebody. And then. After getting together, hanging out, I find out that they really want to sell me something. <laughs> You're like, I thought we were friends. Well, I didn't think we were friends yet, but but I felt used. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. what happens yeah. when we take this friendship evangelism approach that says we're interested in being somebody's friend. Yeah. And then later on, we it dis- they discover he had a different agenda. Yeah. And then they feel actually cheated. They feel yeah. lied to. Yeah. You know, it's like the way they used to call the bait and switch. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I use this as an example. So if, you know, I like to, I go to the gym, right? you know, pretty regularly. Um, and if, so if I go to the gym, I'm hanging out and I get to know somebody, you know, maybe we, we show up at the gym regularly at the same time. Right. We form, you know, a, a superficial relationship enough that one day maybe we say, Hey, you know, let's go get coffee. Right. So we go to get coffee and, you know, we get to know each other a bit and we've been hanging out. And so we, we start doing that regularly, you know, and maybe six months in we've been hanging out every week, going to get coffee, go do whatever. And then six months in, I finally feel like, okay, now is the time to share the gospel with them. Right. And so after six months I go, Hey, and, and you do, I want to tell you something. Right. You know, Jesus, he's the most important person in my life. Well, let's forget that. Let's not even talk about evangelism. Right. Let's just say I've been hanging out with this guy for six months. And after six months, I finally go, oh, hey, I forgot to tell you. I have a wife and four kids, and they're the most important people in my life. He's going to look at me like, you're full of it. If they were that important to you, 
You'd have been talking about them from day one. Right. Not six months ago. Not right. six months ago. They're going to think, he's going to think, I don't really, these people are not the most important. I think the same yeah. thing happens when we wait six months yeah. before we try to convince somebody all of a sudden Jesus is the most important thing in our life. Yeah. And you would also say that like if people are at work or they're around people, there's nothing wrong with making connections with people and then at some point at whatever thing, sharing the gospel. But you should never share the gospel and make it something. And if they go, yeah, I'm really not interested. And then you go, all right, well, then I don't really want to, you know, be friends anymore. No. <laughs> so I, the connection should be a genuine connection. And then comes the overflow out of your life. But that shouldn't just be like a one day event. It should be an ongoing revelation in your life. Absolutely. And I think I would add to that, though, is that we should be living with our life in such a way that it's not a secret that we're a Christ right. follower. Yeah. Or if you go you to know. lunch with somebody, you shouldn't say, hey, can we go to lunch? I'm just going to tell you up front, like, I'm a Christian. And so at lunch, I'm going to be sharing with you the four spiritual <laughs> no, laws. Of course not. <laughs> nor should we. But, but you know, I know you're joking, but yeah, yeah, nor right. should we embarrass them by insisting on praying right. at the table. Yeah. I normally you know. quietly would do that myself. Absolutely. Yeah. And in a few cases— I've even said to somebody, you know, I personally mm -hmm. give thanks for my food. If you're okay with that, I'd like to do it. I said, I'm not asking you to join me. If you want to, you could, but that's not, you know, it's a right. personal thing, you know. So it, yeah. I would go by the context, you know. Right. And so I've done that, for instance, in the Muslim world. Sure. Because, you know, in the Muslim world, God is constantly on people's tongues, even if he's not in their thoughts. Right. So, you know, one of the one of the things they actually have against Christians is that they don't think that they're actually spiritual people. Right. <laughs> you know, if it takes you six months to tell somebody that, you know, Jesus. Yeah. Then they definitely it goes right <laughs> along with the way that they think. Exactly. So but I do, you know, I, I, so that, you know, I don't believe in friendship evangelism, but I do believe in friendship. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so the most winsome person in the world is the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yep. He wants to, it's, it's the spirit that draws people yep. to God. He wants people in right relationship with God more than you and I ever will. Yep. And for me, I, it was such a liberating experience when I realized the Holy Spirit wants to work through me more than I want the Holy Spirit to work through me. That's it. Yep. That took pressure off of me. Yep. And when the pressure was gone, all of a sudden, I actually felt more authentic. Yep. I felt more free to share the gospel. And I also realized the results weren't on me. Yep. You know, it wasn't like a batting average, you know, oh, I'm batting 300, <laughs> you know. I realized that it's, it's the Lord who's drawing yep. them. I'm just the tool. I'm the instrument. Right. And, it, and, it, and you should not feel like, hey, I've done my job for God because they accepted Christ. And I didn't do so good if they reject because our our the ministry that we have is to share the message yeah. and how they respond. That's the Holy Spirit's work. So because you share in God's sight, you're fulfilling the Great Commission. Would Absol you, absolutely. You know, you know, another question for you I just want to ask you. So do you think that it's good for people? They're watching today and they go, hey, I really want to evangelize more. I want to connect with people mm -hmm. and share the love of Christ. Would you would you encourage people to learn a system, the four spiritual laws? Would you encourage them to 
to to approach things that way? Like how how would you uh, maybe give counsel to somebody if they're going, hey, I really want to be more effective in evangelizing? And this is probably going to reflect my personality. Yeah. So I would say all of those tools are useful. Right. But they're more useful for me than they actually are for the other person. Yeah. Because they help prepare my heart and my mind to give answers yep. to questions that will come. For me, and this here again, this is just me, what I encourage people to do is to look for ways of turning non-gospel conversation into gospel conversation. Now, yep. what I mean by that is that doesn't mean like, you know, John says, hey, I went to the bank today. Oh, that's really – did you know that your investment should be in heaven? <laughs> that's an unnatural turn, you know? <laughs> you know. But one of the things that I've discovered is that I, I, I talk about praying for people. Yep. I think prayer is a phenomenal evangelism tool. Yep. Now, when I don't mean praying for them. Like, one, I do mean praying for them in my private time. If I have somebody – you you know me well. I have a list of people that right. I keep that I pray for every single day. Yeah, but you're talking about asking them, can I pray for you for a specific? Yes. Yeah. I, I, sometimes I'm even asking mm-hmm. them, hey, you know, what's going on in your life? You know, yeah. and but most of the time I don't even have to ask that. Yeah. People just will talk about stuff. If you're in authentic conversations with people, yeah. they're going to talk about stuff and they're going to tell you the stuff that's going rough in their life. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've just said, hey, you know, sometimes I'll even I'll ask, you know, in the moment, can I pray for you? But more often than not, I will just remind them, especially if I know I'm going to be in an ongoing right. relationship with them. I'm just going to tell them, hey, I'm going to be praying for you That's about that. Good. Here's a great ex- so an example of that. I have a f- guy that when we lived before we moved to Colorado um, was a friend of mine. I when we first moved there, you know, I'd been overseas where lived in a Muslim context Never had to look for a lost person. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, walked out my door. Practically every person I met was <laughs> 10 lost. Million of them. Exactly. <laughs> you know. Um, then I moved to Springfield, Missouri. You know, <laughs> more Christians and people. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know. And at one point, I was like, God, every person I'm doing life with is a Christian. Yep. I need some pagans in my life. I need some lost people. And then you moved to Colorado, right? <laughs> well, this is even before that, that. Yeah, this is before I even moved. And yeah, you know, we were living in an apartment in Missouri, and yeah. I, I would actually walk through the apartment complex and like pray, yeah. Lord, give me opportunities. John, I never had an opportunity in the apartment complex. Yeah, it wow. was weird. I would try, and it always was forced. Yeah. There was something about the culture of the, the like that apartment complex yeah. because it was very transient that people just did not want relationships. Mm. And it was sad, but I kept praying, kept believing. I would so I mentioned earlier, I like to go to the gym, and if you go at the same time every day, you meet the same people. And one day I'm sitting in the gym talking to this guy. He's a good in we haven't become friends, but we've become friendly. Yep. With one another. And I, I realized this guy's from a Dutch background. And, you know, you, you lived in Europe, so you know the Dutch very stoic. stoic. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and modern Dutch society, I mean, God's almost absent yep. 
from culture. Yep. I mean, you, you can't anticipate that anybody knows anything about what you're talking about if yep. you're sharing the gospel. So I'm talking to this guy. His name is Robert. So we're having this conversation. And I I would try to talk to him about everything I said, John, about God, about the gospel, even though it was done in the most natural sort of conversational way. I just realized every time we would have a conversation, he wasn't hostile. Yeah. But he had no clue what I was talking about. I could have been speaking another language. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's what it felt like. Yep. And I kept praying, God, help me connect with Robert. Yep. And one day we were sitting in the gym, we're talking about some stuff. And, you know, I could tell by the way he was moving, he was in pain. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, man, what's going on? And he goes, I hurt my back. I mean, he was this freakish runner, did these things mm-hmm. called Spartan races. If you don't know what they are, look yep. them up. They're they're brutal. And um, I, I remember talking, he'd hurt his back in one of these. And, you know, I was like, and then I felt like the Lord said, pray for him. Huh. Now, he didn't have a clue what prayer was. And so I, I talked to him and I said, hey, Robert, I said, you, you know who I am. You know what I am. You know faith is important to me. You know my relationship with God's important. Mm-hmm. I said, I pray regularly. I said, I just want you to know I'm going to be praying that God will heal your back. Now, I wasn't going to embarrass him because mm-hmm. we were in a, pub, in a public place where there were other people. I wasn't going to embarrass him by asking if I could pray for him right then because I knew that would have actually turned him away. Right. But I said, I'm going to re- pray for you. So I, and then I did, of course, that's important. If you say you're going to pray, you should pray. Right. Prayed for him. I don't know, three or four days later, I ran into him and I was like, hey, how's your back doing? He goes, and he kind of got this sheepish look. He goes, actually, it's not hurting at all. Wow. And I was like, that's great. God. And But I didn't just say, didn't just move on. And even just constantly dropping seed, I said, just remember, Robert, I prayed for you. Yep. And, you know, use those little things as ways of turning people, you know, to investing and in sharing. So I would say a couple of things. One, don't always feel like you have to give the whole gospel yep. at one time, yep. you know, but to, and I think the next thing I would say is remember that truth delivered at the wrong time may actually work as an antidote to real truth being accepted. Yep. If somebody's not hungry, the best meal in the world is not appetizing. Yeah. And so I think we have to be sensitive to whether or not someone is actually open. We probably all have lost people in our lives. Yes. And especially if we have lost people in our family. Yes. I know you've shared enough about your story that you probably got lots of some, you got some people in your family who don't know Jesus. Some, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sure. and, and I have some who maybe have had a relationship with God, who've walked away, right? that sort of thing. So, you know, the holidays are right around the corner. Mm-hmm. People are going to be gathering together. You know, what's the old expression, the two things that you don't talk about at the Thanksgiving Politics table? Politics and religion. You got it. <laughs> and, and, yeah, we do want to see people come to faith in Christ. Yep. Give us your perspective on sharing Christ with family members. Here's a here's a good gauge to go by. The deeper the relationship you have with someone, mm-hmm. the more important the way you live and the testimony that you have and the way that you walk through life is far more important. If I, if I happen to meet somebody on the street, 
corner and mm-hmm. I'm just talking to them about Christ. And there's been times I've been at gas stations or mm-hmm. just talking to somebody at a counter and I'm sharing Christ. Well, I don't have the time to really go through, hey, I'm a good guy. <laughs> you know, it's, it's literally you're just sharing the word. But the deeper the connection that you have with the person, the more important it is the way that Christ lifts through your life mm. rather than just the words that you speak. And so when it comes to families, we're all gathering with our families and friends and people that are around us at, at you know, holidays and sure. so forth, or just generally, you know, the people that are close to us in right. life that aren't believers. The more important it is that we love like Jesus, that we live like Jesus, that we serve people. I, you know, hey, as a pastor for years, I've, I've, I've found people that either they're either judgmental or their Christianity is very shallow. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, well, I just, you know, tell my son about Jesus all the time. And he just doesn't want to hear it. And but but it, but the way that it comes off. It is really not very engaging. Yeah, absolutely. And if there is one bit of advice I would I would give to people, not to just do it as an act, but let it really get into your heart. So the way you love people, the way you engage with people and interact with people, let the life of Jesus come out. Then when you're ready to share the word, and I think that God opens those opportunities, mm-hmm. they it will be so much more powerful. Uh, you know, the question I asked you before about the four spiritual laws and so forth, Here's the way that I would apply that. I would learn all of those things. I think that all of those things, like you're saying, are good principles. I know that people need to repent. I know that people need to believe. And I know that people need to confess. But if you come across like a formula, it really loses power. So what you want to do is you're having conversations. You you look for those areas of believing in Christ Mm -hmm. or areas of, of repentance and let it come out organically and naturally. I think that the impact of that is far greater than just, you know, here's the four spiritual laws, A, B, C, D, you must do this to be saved. I I think that we're at the place in our culture in America Mm -hmm. where people have heard and seen and they've seen the religious people. They need to see an authentic life. Yeah. And so the more that you can capture that life and live it, your words will become far more powerful when you begin to talk about salvation or knowing Christ. I agree 100%. I also think it's really important that we focus on hard issues and not external behaviors. Yes. It is so easy, especially with family. Yeah. To focus on, you know, you know, Uncle Tom's a drunk. <laughs> he really needs Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Not knowing the the, you know, Aunt Sally who who, you know, those flower arrangements needs Jesus just as much as the drunk. <laughs> Absolutely. But, you know, yeah. because of, you know, that's an easily, we point to a, what we see as an external mm-hmm. sin, whether it's, you know, you could pick them, but we all know that there's certain sins that in our culture are mm-hmm. less tolerable than others or, mm-hmm. you know, especially in Christian circles. And so we look at those and those are what draw, you know, I, I was taught having a conversation with a uh, a family member about somebody and we were talking about this particular person and the, the they were living a, a, a lifestyle that we just wasn't pleasing to God. Mm-hmm. But I was talking to my family member and I said, you know, the problem with that person isn't their lifestyle. And I remember this, you know, person hearing me say that and they're, they go, what? Yeah. And I'm like, no, that's not the problem. The problem is that they don't love God. You know, let's make sure we keep the main thing the main thing. 
relationship with God is the most important thing. I mean, otherwise, all we're doing is cleaning the outside of the cup and the inside is dirty. Yeah. You know, using Jesus example. And we want to make sure that we're interested in the inside of the cup. Yep. If if God takes care of the inside of the cup, the outside of the cup will get cleaned. You know, but we don't want to make, you know, quite frankly, sometimes I think it's really what we're trying to do is we're trying to get rid of our own embarrassment. <laughs> yep. It can be. Yeah, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. You know, I, I, I just, you know. I don't really care if that person is right with God, but at least if they'll live in a way that doesn't bring me shame, you know, especially I think sometimes that's the more close somebody's relationship is to us, that can become more and more of a temptation. Yeah. And, you know, I learned a long time ago that with people who are really close to me, I could protect my relationship or I could protect my reputation. I couldn't always protect both. Yeah. And when that's the case, I always want to protect the relationship. And that's what you're talking about when you're saying it is so important how we live. Yeah. Now, getting ready to close, one final thing from my perspective, and I'd like to get your perspective on it if you think it's right, wrong, different approach, whatever. For me, I feel like the closer a relationship is and – when especially when somebody knows how I feel, you know, they know right. I'm a gospel person. They actually have, they may they may disagree with me, but they have respect yes. for me. Yes. They ever, you know, so in those cases, if God op- clearly opens up a door and right. and especially that person's asking questions, mm-hmm. I'm gonna walk through that door. I'm gonna walk through it kindly, gently, with grace, asking to be led by the Spirit, I'm gonna walk through it. Right. But Otherwise, apart from that person asking a question, right? my number one approach for that type of situation is that I'm praying that God will bring a peer into their life. that they Because I've discovered it seems like it's those people that they're more likely to listen to truth from mm-hmm. than someone that they've had a longstanding relationship with. What's your perspective on that? Yeah, I I agree with you to a certain point. I think that sometimes, especially when you get in discussions with people that are family members, I've I've certainly had this. And and you know, with family, we get more into those political discussions. And here's where I stand on this: I believe deeply in politics. I think Christians should be involved in politics, but politics are a secondary issue. And sometimes what we have done as believers is, is we've made that primary issues. And so we have people who reject Christ because of some political viewpoint. Sure. And listen, we, you can always get into the political viewpoints. Their greatest need is to know Jesus. And so whenever you're, you, you find yourself in those places and you've shared Christ and, and like you say, the walls come up, you know, it's always great to say, hey, God, would you send somebody at work or another place? Uh, I don't always want to depend on that because for some of these people, they don't have, you know, really strong believers that are in those areas. But it would certainly be my prayer because now you're coming from a secondary place. Or even, you know, there's places that my wife can be more effective in in sharing Christ to a family member than what I can be. And so it it is sometimes different voices coming from different places. And uh, what but what is important is that we're all involved as believers in that process and helping people to see the glory of God. So I, I, you know, we should never abdicate our role. We certainly want to speak truth and speak the love of God. 
Uh, but man, when, when you can pray and ask God to bring maybe from a, uh, maybe somebody else that shares your views, but it's just not you. Yeah. It and, can and really be helpful. Is that, is that, am I sharing what you're talking about? Yeah, a little that, bit. I, I think maybe, you know, the only nuance would be that I think when, when I'm, the people I'm talking about are people who it's not an issue of them not knowing. Right. It's just an issue. So it's not what they don't know. It's just what they choose to not accept, sure. not live by. So it's not, you know, they've got the full knowledge of the gospel. Yep. You know, and um, so I, I think that's where I think of, you know, anytime more people are affirming yes. this, I think they're more powerful. I, if it's all right, I'd like to close with a story. Absolutely. So I, I spend a lot of time hanging out with university students mm-hmm. and um, people who are, you know, and I've I've met a lot of them who've come to faith in Christ on the campus. Right. And uh, a couple of years ago, I had spoken at a large university gathering in Texas, mm-hmm. and I had to fly out the next morning. At I think my flight in out of Houston was at like six o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And the place I was preaching was an hour away from Houston. So we had to, in order to get to the airport, I had to leave the place at like two thirty in the morning. Yeah. And I remember thinking they told me, well, some couple of college, you know, a couple of the university students are going to pick you up in the morning, and take you to, to the, you know, airport. And honestly, I was thinking, you're trusting two university students <laughs> <laughs> with my trip to the airport. Like, I really hope they show up at 2.30 in the morning. Um, I walk out of where the place I'm staying, staying in the guest house, walk out. There's a car sitting in the parking lot. That was gave me hope. Lights were off and everything. Right. I walk over and look in the window, and these two guys are sitting in the front seat, sound asleep. Right. But they'd gotten there early to make sure they were there to pick me up. We get anyway. Get in the car. They're taking me to the airport. I'm engaging with them in conversation, partly because I want to make sure they stayed awake, you know. So we're having right. a good conversation. And one of them, I said, so tell me, how did you come to faith in Christ? So he starts telling me the story, and I'll make this part really quick. So he says, first week of school, guy across, you know, I meet this guy. He invites me to a Bible study. And he said, I told him, I'm not even remotely interested. And he said, I'm pretty sure I swore, you know, and said, you know, I know, uh, you know, in no uncertain terms, I made it clear I wasn't interested. And he said, but they never gave up on me. And he said, and they found other ways of reaching out to me. So they invited me to Bible studies. But when I showed no interest in that, they didn't leave. Yeah. So they invited me to – they knew I was athletic, so they invited me to take part in a sports thing with them. So they actually had a, like a softball team, mm-hmm. and they asked me to join the team. And he said – and then one day he said, we played really, really bad, and we got beat really bad. And he said, I just really told them off at the end of the game. And he said, I definitely used a lot of profanity. <laughs> and he said, the next day I actually felt guilty. You know, we would say convicted, but at that point he said, I just felt guilty that he said, these people have been nice to me and, you know, I, I shouldn't have talked to them that way. So the next day he goes to their apartment and to tell them, and they lived in this old raggedy house. And he said, I go to the house. And they had told me before, you know, if you come to the house, 
you're welcome to come in. You don't even need to just, you know, if there's food in the fridge, mm-hmm. eat, whatever. And so I go to the house, knock on the door. Nobody answers. I kind of crack the door and say, hello, you know. Anyway, he says he goes in the house. He's trying, can't get anybody's, nobody's there. But he hears a voice coming from the back of the house. He goes, oh, somebody's here. So he goes back to the back of the house. And he's all along the way, he's going, hello, hello. Gets back to the back of the house. And it's a very old home. And he's standing outside of a bedroom door and he hears conversation going on inside or he hears somebody talking. Right. And he, you know, he's making, trying to get attention, like taps on the door. Nobody answers. He cracks the door open. He goes, hello. Still nobody walks in the door. And he says, I'm standing in the room and I hear a voice. What sounds like one side of a conversation coming from a closet. Well, somebody praying. Somebody was praying. They had literally turned their closet into a prayer closet. And he said, I stood outside the closet and he said, for 30 minutes, the guy prayed for me. Well, he said, they never preached the gospel to me, but standing outside of a closet in a guy's bedroom, I came to faith in Christ. Praise God. You know, Jesus calls us to find the lost sheep, to fight for the lost sheep, and then to feed the lost sheep. So for me, that's my encouragement I'd like to leave people with, that the person who seems the most resistant, the furthest away, if we'll fight for them, if we'll believe in them, if we'll pray for them, and then we'll be quick to share the gospel when God opens up the doors, God will bring fruit. Amen. You know, maybe you're watching today and you have somebody like that in your life. Mark, what a powerful story. And you're trying to break through. You're trying to share. And it just seems like it's not working. You know, can we pray for them now? Can we make it a habit to pray mm-hmm. and to love and to walk out the life of Christ in front of them? Uh, listen, the words are more powerful when there's a life that, that backs it up. And we want to pray for the people in your life, maybe family or friends or acquaintances that, that you have. Um, but listen, it becomes far more effective when we pray. So, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that when we were lost and far away, that Jesus, you came near to the place that we're at, and God, you saved us. And Lord, you used people in the process to share faith with us, to share the love of God with us, and Lord, we're thankful for that. And God, now we pray today that you would help us to be people who are proclaiming the good news of Jesus to people that are around us. Help us to pray. Help us to serve. Help us to live out the life of Christ. And then, Lord, when needed and as needed, that we would speak your word and it would be powerful and effective. Lord, we pray that you would save our family, our friends, the acquaintances that we engage ourselves with. And, Lord, I pray, God, that you would help us to be effective in bringing people to the feet of Jesus. We love you, and, God, we thank you today. Amen. Amen. Be sure to join us next week. In the meantime, go to your favorite podcasting app or YouTube, however you listen or watch the podcast. Like, make a comment, share. If this content is good for you, it's good for others. So be sure to share it so that more people can hear this valuable information. We love you. We thank you for your time. God bless you. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. As a follow-up to our conversation, we'd like to recommend Gary Wilkerson's sermon series through the Psalms called A Heart After God. 
You can find it at worldchallenge.org or you can get more information in the show notes. Join us next time for part one of a conversation on forgiveness. We'll see you then.